Cartier, Rolex, Gucci, Prada, Jordan, Adidas, Bottega Veneta. At eBay, it's real or it's getting the fake out. eBay's team of luxury authenticators make sure you never get faked over. Watches inspected by watch aficionados. Sneakers checked by legit sneakerheads. Handbags examined by handbag connoisseurs and jewelry in the scopes of experts and gemologists. The details inspected. The fakes rejected. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay's authenticity guarantee. Everyone deserves real. Visit ebay.com for terms. Welcome to Who, What, Where with Hillary Kerr, your direct line to the designers, stylists, beauty experts, editors, and tastemakers who are shaping the ever-evolving world of fashion. I'm your host, Hillary Kerr, and today I'm passing things over to Who, What, Where fashion editors, Anna LaPlaca and Eliza Huber, who are coming to us straight off the heels of New York Fashion Week. After seeing everything designers have in store for us for their fall-winter 2023 collections, the ladies are here to break down the trends they're spotting, the moments that have already broken the internet, and their personal favorite fashion moments from both the shows and the streets. It's all coming up on Who, What, Where. Hi, Anna. How are you? Hi, Eliza. I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm tired, but I'm doing well. It's almost the end of the week, and I only have really one more show tonight, Altazara, which is taking place at the New York Public Library, and then basically previews and presentations tomorrow to close everything out. What about you? I quite literally just sprinted here after my last show of the day today, which was Hellasy. But it's hard to believe that technically there's still one day left of Fashion Week after this because I feel like we've seen so much. It has been a full-on week. Just to put things into context for our listeners, I am like so exhausted a little bit extra today because last night I had a late show, which was probably my latest of the season. It started at 8 p.m. out in Brooklyn and normally like Most of the shows are in Manhattan, but occasionally you will get one that's like farther out. So I was out all day. I had a 6 p.m. show in Soho, and then I was like on the train, taking like three different trains to get there. And then, yes, finally got home like a little bit before 10. So here I am today running on sugar and coffee (laughs) because it's Valentine's Day. (laughs) I just want to add that it's February and you did all of this without a coat on. So I, for one, I'm impressed. Thank you for being impressed because I don't know how I did it, but also it hasn't been like hot necessarily, but it's been sunny and warm. I mean, tomorrow's supposed to be 60 degrees and I'm planning on wearing the no pants trend that we will definitely be discussing. I can't wait to see it. (laughs) Okay. Well, now that we're veering towards the end of the week, let's talk about the standout moments. How has this week stood up to your expectations? Well, I definitely feel like I went into the week knowing that February Fashion Week is a little bit tamer than September, but there certainly hasn't been any lack of big moments. 
One of the big ones was Tom Brown's New York Fashion Week return. He usually shows in Paris, but is heading back to New York. So that's been very exciting. A lot of those big shows happen in Paris, and sometimes New York can feel like it's all smaller, independent brands. So it feels very special to have a designer like Tom Brown come to New York, and it brings in a ton of global attention. So that's really exciting for us New York editors. What about you? Yeah, I definitely feel you there. I feel like compared to last February, this fashion week has felt so much more ramped up. And it's definitely not necessarily like the chill little sister to September anymore, like how it always has like that sort of low-key reputation. Going into Fashion Week, I read that there were 74 shows and presentations on the schedule, according to CFDA, but I wouldn't be surprised if that number crept closer to 100 by the end of it, just because there were so many smaller and emerging brands and brands that are like first-time showers Shows like Heron Preston, Cuccinelli Shaheen, Kallmeyer, and Zemo, two um, smaller emerging brands, were newcomers, I guess, to the scene. Um, and then, like you mentioned, bigger names like Tom Brown. Um, and then again, with Hellasy, which is another brand that is back after a hiatus, after three years showing again post-pandemic. So I think on the whole, I felt like everyone had such a through line to what they were doing and the looks and the collections felt very cohesive for me, honestly, for the first time in a long time. And just to your point of like, okay, wow, we went through such a big fashion week for February, which it normally isn't as big. Our team is bigger than ever now, I think. Um, And so we're really like dividing and conquering. But here we are at the end almost, and I still feel my social battery like <laughs> approaching empty and hitting zero. So I'm very, very thankful that we're about to walk into this three-day weekend because we all need some R&R. I am going to a spa that you recommended tomorrow evening at 8 p.m. I was like, I have my last thing and was like, I'm running to the spa. <laughs> Literally. Well, I'm really excited to hear what you think. I recommended that Eliza go and get this lymphatic drainage massage at a place called Higher Dose here in New York. And it is truly one of the most life-changing experiences. It's not just a regular massage. I also got a lymphatic drainage massage at the beginning of Fashion Week. And I felt so good walking into the week. So I'm excited for you. I just want like all my Fashion Week baggage to be like sweated away. Then I can go into next week and be ready to conquer the rest of fashion month because there's still over four weeks that will occur outside of the U.S. We are just getting started, ladies and gentlemen. Buckle up. (laughs) Buckle to your seatbelt. But you know what? I'm excited for that aspect of it, actually, because although, you know, we got to go to all of these shows and presentations in person here in New York, it's always really exciting to be able to watch everything play out virtually. And although myself and Eliza won't be traveling, our other colleagues and editors will be. And so I'm just excited to stay in touch with them and like be able to cover things from home because sometimes it feels nice to have that space and be able to create full-formed thoughts around them before you write the stories and the coverage. Yeah, that's a big thing, I think. Like, you only get a certain view of everything when you're there in person. You have to really go back after and study the shows, which is something that we do for months 
after. So it's kind of nice to have that time as the shows are happening in Europe to be here and be able to look over the images over and over and really pinpoint what the trends are going to be. Totally. I know we both have our notes app running constantly throughout this week. And it was funny because I was at a show earlier today at Colin Locasio and one of my friends, Ava, whipped out a miniature IRL notebook and she was scribbling these notes with her pen. Retro. Like, wow. <laughs> We're really going back there. I, I like it, though. Just wait. In like another season, everyone will have a Palm Pilot. They'll be like taking notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, we can go on tangents all day. This is what we do at the office. But to get back to things, I wanted to know, out of everything that you've seen so far, were there any shows or designers that really stand out as favorites? Yes. I went to my first coach show yesterday, and it was so special, and it just felt so personal, honestly. They're known for always having this big, glamorous production. They always have lots of buzzy A-listers sitting in their front row. This season was certainly no exception. They held it at the Park Avenue Armory, which is really a gorgeous landmark. Um, it's a massive building on the Upper East Side in New York, and it definitely has that old New York charm to it with the oak wood on the inside. It's very dark and cozy. And, you know, even the soundtrack was reminiscent of the movie Cruel Intentions. And at the final walkthrough, the song Bittersweet Symphony was playing. And so it just felt very nostalgic and like it was this moment. I think it was just such a strong collection and I'm so excited about it. I think one thing that's interesting, too, is that with Mark Jacobs showing kind of off the calendar, he showed earlier this season, he always shows at the Armory. So it's kind of lovely that someone still showed there to kind of incorporate that tradition still in the Fashion Week calendar in New York. Definitely. And the shows are so spread out now, you know, way, way back in the day, they used to be at Bryant Park or at Lincoln Center. And there's really no like singular location that has sort of like holds weight anymore. But the Park Avenue Armory would be like the one location mm -hmm. that I think consistently does feel like special and big in this like grand way. So it was exciting to go there, honestly. Um, and then the other one that stands out is Brandon Maxwell. And I we both went to that show this morning, and so it's certainly fresh in my mind, honestly. But I think as the days go on, it'll still remain top of mind. And it's not really particularly for any reason that the show was like flashy or had a lot of, you know, bubbling trends in it, but it was just so striking in its simplicity. And I felt like the whole collection was imbued with this sense of like modern elegance. It focused on a lot of really strong tailoring. There were great maxi coats, there were full skirts and these cute little kitten heel slingbacks that I already have my eye on. A lot of times I feel like the runway tends to be a little more abstract and like less approachable, honestly. And this Brandon Maxwell collection was just so translatable into like the modern day wardrobe. And that's what made it so enticing. There were even jorts and I was like, whoa, I would wear those. But they were paired with like this beautiful black top and it was like, glamorous jorts. I can't believe I'm yeah. using those two words in the same sentence, but here we are. Only Brandon Maxwell could get us to do that. What about you? What stands out in your mind? 
Well, like you had with Coach, I went to my first Rodarte show earlier this week. It was one of the first shows of the official New York Fashion Week calendar. And it was such an experience. I think like that's like the only way I can really describe it. Rodarte is always sort of like that. Like they've held it in big, lavish churches. And they really brought that back into New York this season. They held it in this gorgeous old bank in Williamsburg. And the set was all covered in this metallic glitter. So there was this huge tablescape in the middle and it was covered in food. So like rotisserie chickens and loaves of bread and fruit. And it was all covered in this glitter. And then it had these really tall candlesticks all lit. So it was flickering when you came in. It was all smoky, very moody, very like Wednesday Adams vibe. And then the clothes really fit into that. There were things like big silver metallic wings attached to giant tinsel gowns. But then there were also more simple things that were like velvet gowns with long bell sleeves, kind of Stevie Nicks vibes with the addition of white lace and little flower rosettes. And there were also these stunning giant flower arrangements that some of the models were holding. We were all like, if we're getting married, we're going (laughs) to... be holding those bouquets, even though (laughs) I can only imagine that they don't come cheap. But overall, it was a beautiful experience that I think I'll remember for years to come. Yes, that one looked so special and also was another exciting name to sort of see on the calendar again after several years of just doing things virtually. It really felt like this season was sort of a reunification. Mm-hmm. Another favorite was Tori Birch. Last season for spring summer 2023, they really shocked everyone at New York Fashion Week with their collection. So it's not like people didn't love Tori Birch before, and the brand has been a mainstay on the calendar for so many years. But something about last season's collection just felt so elevated and super fresh and really modern. And this is all like culminating in this giant New York Times article, which we were quoted, who, what, where editors as a whole, as saying that we audibly gasped when the collection came out, which just feels so on brand. (laughs) Like jaws were on the floor. I think it was also exciting because she's having this moment, but that New York Times article came out, I believe, like the day before the official start of New York Fashion Week. And so I went to a few cocktail hours in the lead up to first official day. And it was just on the lips of everybody. It just feels like her name is always being spoken everywhere you go. Yeah. And the collection for spring just came out on their website. And I feel like everyone's like running to go buy it or people who are known to have amazing style recently when you're like, oh, where did you get those shoes or where did you get that bag? They're like, oh, it's Toy Birch, which I don't feel like you heard that often maybe two years ago. She has found a way to infiltrate this level of like downtown cool. And it's just so exciting to see it all play out. So tell me about the fall 2023 show. Okay, so it was held downtown close to City Hall at this beautiful, ornate building. Lots of celebrities there. Ashley Graham was sitting in the front. Lori Harvey was there. But as for the collection itself, the whole thing was kind of based on taking the idea of a woman's traditional wardrobe and like flipping it all on its head and distressing things and adding attitudes. So some of the things that Tori wrote on her Instagram were that 
she included like raw hems or tags that were visible or just these little details that gave that cool factor. So the big like moment that she was mentioning was that she wanted to emphasize the idea that there's beauty in imperfection, which is kind of something that we also heard last season with Muccia Prada said that. And that Mm -hmm. was why there were like wrinkles in the collection for spring because it was like, that's one of the most beautiful things about being a woman is that there's such beauty in the little bits of chaos. So I love that kind of overall theme that's been happening in fashion. And just to add, I love the idea that it emphasizes the wearability of the clothes. And when the wrinkles are intentional, it's because the wearer has had a busy day and they've worn Mm -hmm. the clothes for a full day of meetings and work and maybe dinner and who knows what else. And it's just so beautiful to like see the life that's like lived within the clothes. And it just points to this overall mood that's happening in fashion right now where things are being really geared towards like ultra wearability and a lot less of this like idealized hyper trendiness that is like not so translatable into like everyday life, I guess. Yeah, I think there was that whole topic of conversation about during COVID and especially afterwards that it was like the roaring 20s and everyone wanted to wear these kind of crazy loud outfits and they wanted to wear everything that they couldn't wear when we were in quarantine. That makes so much sense. But now as we sort of settle back into our normal routines, we want clothes that when we look into our wardrobe, you could pick up and wear to any occasion. And I think that's something that a lot of these brands like Tory Burch, like Brandon Maxwell, Parenza Schuler, Gabriella Hurst, they're creating those wardrobe items that you can really invest in. Yes, they're not going to come cheap. You're going to invest in them and then you can wear them over and over and over and style them in so many different ways, which is another thing that I think Tori has changed and is doing so well is that styling factor and making things feel really fresh, even if they're pretty simple pieces. Totally. Yeah. And I think that ties back to this theme of like low key or quote unquote quiet luxury that we've already been talking about on the site. But it's just this idea that like designers are teaching us how to invest in a long lasting wardrobe and what that even looks like. And that luxury doesn't always have to be about the logos and like the trendiness and the flashiness of it all. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious because we talked about the highs and our favorite shows. Is there anything that you feel was like a letdown? Honestly, I don't feel like there were very many. But one thing kind of stood out to me, and it hasn't just been this season, but over the last few seasons, I've noticed a bit of a drop in the number of plus-size models walking in shows. I think for a couple seasons there, there was a really big emphasis on this. And so the size diversity on the runway felt very strong. But in the last few seasons, that feels like it's tapered off. Designers like Christian Siriano, Prisca Vera, and more are known for having very diverse lineups. And they continued in that tradition this season with Siriano as well as Coach, not only using models of various sizes in their shows, but also dressing them in those more daring, naked-like trends, like sheer pieces or pantsless looks which is an SS23 trend that we saw really seep into FW23 this season. And I think that's the kind of thing that we want to champion and we want to we want more brands to see and do, but still I get the feeling that when reports about size diversity this season come out, the numbers maybe won't be what we wish they'll be. 
Last season, I read in Glamour specifically that 27 out of the 110 designers that showed during New York Fashion Week featured plus-size models, which is a pretty small percentage. And 49 out of all the 4,400 models, only 49 of them were plus-size. So the goal is that those will have gone up this season. But after all the shows and presentations that I've been to, I really don't think that that is going to be the case. So I think something that designers and brands should be doing as they start preparing for spring, summer 24 is to really amp up their amount of diverse models in every area, size specifically in this case, but I think in general, just making the runway look more like the world that we see around us is something that is very, very important. That's why I love Christian Siriano's shows because they always champion size inclusivity and he is always dressing A-list celebrities of any size on red carpets and for like press events. So that's always amazing to see. And then this show that I went to last night, Elena Velez had the most amazing models of like all different ages and all different shapes. And like her collection is pretty risque, honestly, lots of like lace up and sheer and dramatic cutouts. And so it's so refreshing to see those trends and more risque cuts not being saved, quote unquote, for like thinner bodies, but being like, yes, of course, like anyone can wear this. So I really do hope to see like a lot more of that in the future. And, you know, we'll see what happens in in Europe. Yeah, agreed. So I'm curious, what have been the biggest moments for you on a personal level? Well, the show that I just came here from um, was Hellasy. And I feel like that felt really special to me because the designer, Sylvie Milstein, is celebrating the house's 10th anniversary. And this show actually marked its return to New York Fashion Week after a three-year hiatus um, over the course of the pandemic. And it felt special to me because back in December, I was visiting Miami and Sylvie hosted a small press dinner for Hellasy, and it was just amazing to like hear her story. She personally had relocated to Miami, and it's interesting to see like her more beachy perspective sort of like come through. And I think this Hellasy show is also quite intimate in the sense of like it was a very personal and true to the designer's like aesthetics and what she's known for lots of amazing asymmetry and really cool like high low mixing with these beautiful like moire satin tops paired back to just like slouchy jeans or like a gown with these like leather gloves so it's a lot of like duality which I loved Mm -hmm. what about you Basically, I have two things that I love in life, and one of them is fashion, and the other one is Formula One, which is honestly growing so much, especially in America. So with that in mind, it was like a huge deal for me personally and a huge deal for the brand that one of the teams, Alpha Tauri, which is basically Red Bull's performance clothing brand that they created and then named their secondary team after. They had this huge reveal in New York during New York Fashion Week. So it's kind of like a car reveal and their fall-winter 23 presentation in one. 
So a few of my coworkers and I got to go and we got to chat with their two drivers, Nick DeVries and Yuki Sonoda, create some fun content for TikTok. So as this kind of disgustingly massive F1 fan, this was <laughs> like a bucket list item. So just to be able to see the car up close, meet the drivers, chat with them was such a cool experience and something I never would have expected to do during New York Fashion Week. And then the other thing is I recently had the pleasure of writing a story about the growing connection between F1 and fashion. So it felt really gratifying to experience how those two things come together in a real life setting and be a part of it. So just one of those moments that I'm not going to forget. Yeah, it looked really cool. And I think to your point, so many of my editor friends and other like quote unquote fashion girls that we know are all these huge F1 fans. And it does seem random to have an event like this in the middle of New York Fashion Week. But at the same time, it makes sense if you see like how much of the audience actually comes from the fashion community. It was fun because the brands were like so excited about who what we're being there, probably very surprised, but it proved successful on TikTok. So hopefully there will be more to come when it comes to F1. Yes, fingers crossed. But back on the fashion side of things, uh, my question to you is what is everyone quote unquote on the inside talking about this week? I mean, honestly, like on the inside and on the outside, I think the entire world is talking about Rihanna for good reason. So after her Super Bowl performance, at least on Sunday and Monday, that was probably the only topic that I heard about. I almost feel bad for the designers that showed on those days because it's like Rihanna was going to be a hotter topic, no matter how gorgeous but one thing that I heard from a couple of editors and I ended up seeing all of her social media was that she paid tribute to Andre Leon Talley with her red Norma Kamali sleeping bag coat that she wore at the beginning of the performance. She ended up stripping it off and showing off that incredible Loewe and Alaya red look. But when you have a platform that large, it's so beautiful to use that to tribute someone that was so special in the fashion industry and so special to her. Definitely. And Rihanna is one of those people that does everything with intention. And so you knew going into this that every single detail of that show and performance was going to be thought out and meaningful and have some depth behind it. And also because it is the first time that we're seeing her perform in years. And congratulations to my girl, Riri. As we know, now she's pregnant again for a second time. So we're not really going to see her perform again probably for another long while. But it's just this amazing moment, I think, where she has the chance to like acknowledge her fans and really give them exactly what they've been craving and looking for. Also, now we get so many more maternity looks. I know. My mind is racing now with like every single runway that we saw this week and that we're going to see throughout the rest of Fashion Month. Like, okay, which designer is going to translate this look into like something maternity friendly? Like, what's she going to pull? Oh. I just can't wait. But one thing that was so amazing about her look, it was this shade of like bright 
cherry red that we saw throughout the runways and throughout street style as well. So it just feels like this really full circle moment that is very well aligned with what was happening throughout Fashion Week too. I am in the midst of writing about this color. So everyone stay tuned. It's my favorite. I love a classic red. I think that's the theme right now. It's like everything's just going back to the classics. There's something beautiful in that timeless look. I love it. Another thing that I sort of was brewing on this fashion week was we saw Emily Ratajkowski walk at two shows. She closed the show at Jonathan Simkai, which was earlier on in the week. And then she also closed the show at Tori Birch. I think it's not very surprising to see an Emily Ratajkowski moment. I mean, but I think like amongst fashion insiders, we were all sort of whispering, okay, Amrata, like, girl, we love you, but also where are some of the other celebrities that normally are walking in these runway shows? You know, specifically, I'm thinking of like Bella and Gigi Hadid. And so I think that was just one thing I noticed. I agree. And especially with brands like Tom Ford and Mark showing elsewhere on the calendar, like not on the official New York Fashion Week calendar, we kind of lose some of those really, really heavy hitters who always have like the celebrity models walking in them. And when they're not there, we're like, where are you? Mm -hmm. Speaking of these kind of viral moments, I feel like there have been a ton of them. For starters, Chloe Sevigny opened and narrated the audio behind Proenza's show. I think this felt very, very special. And the show in general just felt very intimate for the brand and very personal. I know in the show notes, they talked about how it was one of their most personal collections to date. So it was just made all the more special with Chloe starting off the show and narrating it. She's very selective about the shows that she picks. So having her come out at Proenza felt like very impactful. So what about you? Did you notice any big viral moments that the internet's kind of blowing up about? Yeah, I loved that Chloe moment at Proenza also. She's one of my style icons. So that was so exciting to see. But I think one thing that stands out in my mind is this viral image that was shared all across Twitter. And it's this image of Anna Wintour sitting in the second row in a completely empty venue where the Kalina Strata show was held. But I think the reason the internet like lost its mind so much was because people don't get to see often like what it's actually like to go to these shows and what the environment is like and why maybe that she was sitting there. Like, what does that mean? So we thought about it more. The theory is that we think it made more sense for her to be seated in this like back corner. You know, obviously she's always like front row, everything, but she was sitting in this back corner and it was right next to the elevator and Anna likes to be first in, first out. And so I, I believe that the show had ended and everybody had cleared out and she was waiting so that she could make her solo exit and just run to the elevator and go to the next show. But it was just so funny to sort of like get online and see everybody dissecting this image and talking about it, what it means and like why it happened and people, you know, blaming the designer or blaming all these other people involved in what was going on behind the scenes um, when really that's my theory. It was just as simple as that. Yeah, I think I just want to make that part of Fashion Week very clear is that everything is on the hour every hour. 
and shows will end up starting a little bit late, say like 20 minutes late, and then they'll last like 20 minutes. And then you basically have to run to get to the subway and try to rush to whatever the next location is in order to get there on time. So it's definitely a hectic journey in that 20 to 30 minute window between when a show ends and another one begins. I think that's such a good point, and I'm glad you brought that up. And that's the very unglamorous part of attending these Fashion Week shows is that mad dash. If I were at her level, I wouldn't be running and entering a big crowd and fighting my way to get out. No. But there was one other layer to this Kalina Strada Anna Wintour example that I just want to (laughs) briefly bring in. And I know you're laughing because you already know what I'm going to say. But what was even more funny about Anna being at that show to begin with was the fact that Kalina Strada is a designer that always has an incredibly imaginative, almost dreamlike setup and show. And in this particular runway, the models were wearing these prosthetic heads that were shaped like dolphins and some were shaped like lizards and different animals. And they did not just walk down the runway. These models in these prosthetic heads would be like crawling down and jumping out into the crowd. And so it was a full-on performance at the same time. And so it just makes it that funnier to think about Anna sitting there and a model in a lizard head jumping out and lunging towards her. (laughs) But you know what? On top of the whole Anna Wintour thing, I think there were a few other buzzier moments that I was really excited to see. I'm a huge White Lotus fan. I was really excited to see sort of this like HBO to Fashion Week pipeline where Greg, who is played by the actor John Grease, walked in the Eckhouse Lada show and the internet was losing its mind. And also people were like, Greg, what are you doing? Tanya, are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) Another fun example was Megan Faye attending the Kate and Proenza shows as one of the front row VIP guests. But it also made us all think, okay, here's Megan Faye and here's John Grice, but where's our girl Aubrey Plaza? We're hoping, fingers crossed, you know, maybe there'll be a Milan or Paris moment for her because I think we all would flip out over that. I definitely would. Okay, we've both collectively seen countless runways over the past week. Tell me about some of the big trends you're noticing. What's bubbling up? I mean, two that were big last season and are continuing to gain traction on the runways are metallics and rosettes. So the first one we saw in a really cool way at Proenza Schuler. Then later I saw them at Gabriella Hurst, both in pant form, a metallic pair of trousers or layered jeans with a long coat. I know that you have a pair coming from The Gap that I feel like would be a great lower price alternative to try out this trend this season. And then rosettes were super present at Sandy Liang. We also saw them at Christian Siriano and also at Alejandro Alonso Rojas. Another trend, which is probably my personal favorite and one that maybe I've been wearing too often, is the (laughs) no pants or tights as pants look. I saw this at Sergio Hudson. We saw it at Christian Siriano. It's just like making this really crazy stamp on the fashion world. I'm sure in large part to Kendall Jenner's stamp of approval. Color-wise, I've been seeing a ton of these really rich, deep shades of red, green, and blue. I really think these like rich colors fall into that building a wardrobe kind of 
overall macro trend that we've been discussing. But I saw a lot of them at Kate, Tory Birch, Proenza. And then lastly, I'm really intrigued and excited by all the unexpected textures and fabrics that designers have been playing with this season. There was a ton of faux fur pieces at Kate, which feels very different for the brand in colors like deep green, but then also kind of a bone color, which feels a little bit more in line with their color wheel. And then Rodarte had this really interesting silver and gold tinsel, and then velvet and metallic silks, and also a ton of leathers were ever present at Proenza. So I think it's going to be really exciting in the fall to step out of our comfort zones and test out some new fabrics that maybe feel a little bit more unexpected. What about you? Yeah, totally. I'm echoing you. I definitely see a lot more of these touchable 3D textures with these like tinselly, almost like hairy looking coats and outerwear. There's one look that stands out in my mind at Laquan Smith, which showed this absolutely stunning backless halter dress. And it was made of this stiff 3D fringe that was somewhere in between a fringe and a sequin. And just the way it moved and like caught the light um, as the model walked down the runway just was so striking. So that's something I'm really looking forward to, particularly in like evening wear and going out ensembles and perhaps even on the red carpet too. That would be fun. In addition, I really saw a lot of maxi skirt moments, which feels really satisfying because I think it's a trend that is carrying over from the spring-summer 2023 runways and a trend that we're already seeing so much of on the street style scene and in our own wardrobes. In particular at Coach, they showed these maxi skirts in leather that were paired back to matching cropped leather jackets as sort of like a two-piece set moment. And they had a little bit of a low rise on them that I really loved. I also saw maxi skirts at designers like Alejandra Alonso Rojas and Proenza featured maxis as well. Another thing I'm really excited about, so I'm already dubbing it 2023's potential it color, but I'm seeing so much purple. In particular, this shade of icy lavender that feels really fresh as it's not quite a pastel. It's very watered down, but I think purple in general sort of flooded the runways. I saw it a lot at Sandy Liang where purple turtledecks were layered underneath dresses. Prisca Vera showed a really beautiful lavender silk slip dress. And I'm predicting it's going to have the same impact that a Barbie pink and a Kelly green both had on fashion in their respective years. And then I am curious, you're kind of who wears micro trend queen. Were there any smaller, super buyable trends that you saw on the runway that our readers, as well as us two, can buy ASAP? Yeah, totally. So one thing that I'm really excited about were the fishnet tights that we saw at Tory Burch. I loved the way that they were paired with a long maxi hemline and like a classic black pump. I love that dichotomy between something very classic and polished and something a little bit edgier like a fishnet tight. And I think tights in general are starting to have a moment right now. And so I know that that's an item that I will be purchasing. And then gloves are another interesting one. I saw this dress that had like a single glove attached to it at Christian Siriano. And then just at Hellasy, there were a lot of these 
gloves that were coordinated with the same color or print to the rest of the ensemble, whether it be like a top or a dress. I thought that was really interesting and, and quite editorial, honestly. But something that lastly is going to be, I think, a lot more wearable and easily translatable into the everyday wardrobe is these bangles and cuffs. So these more like statement making bracelets that we're starting to see a lot more of. Um, Brandon Maxwell had these gorgeous oversized rhinestone cuffs paired with many of the looks, as did Alejandra Alonso Rojas, who had these more like simplistic metal gold cuff bracelets um, paired back to these slinky dresses. So it's an item that is small in detail, but I think it makes a very chic impact on the rest of the look. I could not agree more. To close out our discussion today, I wanted to move off the runway and onto the streets outside to discuss a few street style trends. Yeah. My first one is the Panera bread bag. So I only saw it one time, but it's incredible. So for background, anyone who hasn't seen the images of the Cuts fashion news writer, Danya Isawi, she, like so many of us, got this press release about... Panera Bread making a baguette bag similar to the vibe of a Fendi baguette bag. It's this green, long, skinny shoulder bag with like a logo on the front that says Panera Bread. But it's a very minimal logo. It's really chic. It's really chic. I swear everyone got this press release and was like, this seems so random. What is this? And then we all clicked into the email, saw the picture of the bag, and we're like, we want that. It sold out so fast. Somehow Danya got it, and it was like the talk of the Sandy Liang show. If it ever restocks, get on that wait list because it's honestly really chic, and it's like $30. Another one that I personally have already worn like three times this week is the color red, kind of like I mentioned earlier, but this really chilly, a little bit cherry red, really, really bold and loud, but doing it in a way that feels minimal and low-key. So one way that I've been doing it is with a pair of opaque tights, or today I'm wearing a red skinny belt from Celine. Just these tiny little details, but they pop so much, and they were truly all over the streets outside of shows. Are there any trends that you noticed? Yeah, totally. One trend that I love and I'm a little bit biased because I wore it this fashion week and I am personally backing it is the full skirt. They feel so fresh and feels like they're making a comeback as they haven't really been at the top of our shopping list for quite a long time. But this really retro 1950s feeling balloon skirt that hits at the midi length and just has this really beautiful volume to it, I think is so striking. Um, I wore a set from Zara that is a navy close fit blazer paired back to a matching balloon skirt. And I just felt so beautiful that day and twirling around and going to the shows. And it was also very satisfying to see that some of the runways featured full skirts as well. I know our editorial director, Lauren, also wore a full skirt as a look one of the days too. So they're definitely a fresh street style trend that I'm keeping my eye on. One more that sounds really obvious because we've talked about it so much, but truly I saw rosettes absolutely everywhere, whether they were worn as a 3D flower choker, 
paired back to like a matching coat for like one cohesive ensemble or pinned onto the top of a blazer or outside of a shirt as like a brooch. I saw these 3D flowers like everywhere I went and I feel like they're such a fun way to add a bit of like sweetness even to an otherwise like simple outfit. It's such a pretty detail. And one more trend I saw was leather jackets, particularly these really heavy, distressed looking jackets that have a pre-owned or vintage vibe topped off a lot of the street style looks this week. Yeah, I agree. I wanted to add one last honorable mention to metallic accessories and shoes. We kind of touched on this earlier with runway trends, but So many people were wearing it this season, but personally, it feels very special considering that I recently got this wild pair of Bottega pumps that are metallic silver at the Woodbury Commons outlet, which is an outlet mall in upstate New York. Anna and I and our other coworker Yusra jumped on a train and then the car to go and drive an hour outside of the city to go to this outlet mall. And the deals at Bottega were so wild. I got this pair of shoes that is still currently full price on Bottega's website from $1,450 to $120. So basically, I'm going to be wearing the metallic trend forever. Oh, that field trip, as I'm calling it, was so epic. At the same Bottega Veneta outlet, I found a pair of black and white zebra pumps that were from one of Daniel Lee's most recent runways for Bottega Veneta before he departed from the house. And I think they were similarly marked down to maybe $150. Like it was just mind blowing these prices. And I will be running back as soon as I can. We were like wrecking havoc in that store. Losing our minds. (laughs) That's what fashion does to us. Seriously. So it's 7.18. I have a show at 8 p.m. So I have to head out, but I'll see you tomorrow, Anna. And this was a great time. This was so much fun. Thanks so much, Eliza. A huge thank you to Who What Wear editors Anna LaPlaca and Eliza Huber. Make sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, I'd also be so grateful if you would rate and review us. If you have any guest suggestions or any other feedback, drop us a line at podcast at whowhatwhere.com or you can find us on social at whowhatwhere. See you next Wednesday on Who What Wear with Hillary Kerr. This episode was produced by Hilary Kerr and Olivia Capaletti. Editing is by Natalie Thurman. Our audio engineers are at Treehouse Recording in Los Angeles, California. And our music is by Jonathan Leahy. Thank you to eBay for sponsoring today's episode ebay's authenticity guarantee is all about keeping it real ebay's authenticators are leaders in their fields with meticulous eyes making sure your pieces whether it's sneakers or watches or collectibles arrive as authentic as your style and worthy of your collection as experts they know the true difference between a real and a fake 
Real carries that rare, distinguished feel. The weight of pure platinum, exquisite scent of Togo leather, the tight stitching on a pair of dunks, the brilliance of real diamonds. So rest assured, your Rolex moves just like a Rolex should, and that colorway on your Jordan Royals will always be on point. The details inspected, the fakes rejected. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with the eBay Authenticity Guarantee. Everyone deserves real. Visit ebay.com for terms.